Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Amy G and I am a covered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Tuesday, February 2nd, 2021. And today we are reading in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we are on page 34, the second paragraph, starting with for those who are unable, just unpacking that one paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, Team Tuesday, Martha Z, Crystal P, Nina R, Kim P, and our newcomer greeting for the between the two hours is Katie G, and the host for our second unrecorded hour is Jody E. The reference numbers for yesterday's Vision for You meeting, Monday, February 1st, 2021, the 7 a.m. meeting. 16,312, that's 163112, and for yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern meeting, 16,313, that's 16313. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer and compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Nina R. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Nina. Hi. Uh, Thanks for your service, Amy. This is Nina, recovering anorexic from New York, um, step one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching, fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our, our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be a Thank you, Nina. I will now ask for Kim P. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead. Good, good morning, Amy. Thank you. And it's actually Kim T. like as in Tom. The 12 okay, traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me be of service, and I pass. Thank you so much, Kim. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the direction for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only, please. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. Again, there is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are on page 34 in the second paragraph 
and I'm going to ask Martha to get us started. Go ahead, Martha. Good morning, Amy. Thank you for your loyal service. This is Martha C. I'm a recovered compulsive reader by the grace of God from um, snowy outside of Philadelphia. Um, for those of us who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether. We are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. Whether such a person can quit on a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he's already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. Many of us felt that we had plenty of character. There was a tremendous urge to cease forever, yet we found it impossible. This is the baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it, this utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. Good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, So it starts out and it says, for those who are unable to eat moderately, I'm going to say eat for us, the question is how to stop altogether. So I tried valiantly to eat moderately. I and that was the promise. I mean, they all, well, I thought, I thought once I lost my weight, that I could have dessert for lunch or dinner. And I, I just thought I should be able to do that. And every time I was on my way back up the same day I got to my goal weight, I was completely unable to eat moderately. So it says the question is how to stop altogether. And so in the doctor's opinion on page XXX, Dr. Silkworth says the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And I found that to be true. It was so much easier for me not to eat my binge foods, not to have my problem foods, than it was to try to control them. I could not. They always controlled me. So then there's a warning, the next sentence. It says, whether such a person can quit on a non-spiritual basis depends on the extent to which he's already lost the power to choose whether he will... I'll say whether he will eat his binge foods or not. And um, I, so non-spiritual basis, I absolutely had no power to choose. I had, I was way beyond there. And in the doctor's opinion, again, it says, this is on page XXVIII. It says, in nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. And that's where I was. That's what I had to have. And I'd just like to say one of my pet peeves is I, food is not my drug of choice. My drug, a drug of choice assumes that I can take it or leave it alone. So for me, shopping's my drug of choice, would be a drug of choice for me. I enjoy it. I can do it or not do it. It doesn't much matter. I can take it or leave it alone. When food, once that uh, substance gets into my body, I have no choice. So I do not consider it a drug of choice. And then um, it talks about baffling. So baffling means confusing and frustrating feature of compulsive overeating. So we can't leave it alone no matter how great the necessity or the wish. And I I needed to leave it alone. I wanted to leave it alone. But I could not do it on my own. So um So after we admit we're powerless over food and that our lives are unmanageable in step one, we have steps two to 12 to help us find a relationship with a higher power that can solve this problem. I needed a spiritual solution, and thank God, today God is doing for me what I could never do alone, and and I'm able to be peacefully abstinent and 
um, living a recovered life. So anyway, thank you for letting me share. Have a good day. Thank you so much, Marissa. Okay, so we're going to take names and numbers now to share on what was read. For those of you um, who have shared on Monday or Friday, although we value your experience, strength, and hope, we ask that you step aside and let others also share their experience, strength, and hope today. So who would like to share on what was read? Melissa. Jay. Christina J. That's all I got. Larry K. Rick J. Melissa J. I got Melissa C. Got Melissa, Chuck, Larry, Rick. Lauren N. Wanda R. Wanda R. Did you get Christina J? I got Lauren. I could probably get a couple more. Christina J. And Jen A. All right, we'll stick with that. Sorry if I missed you. We'll try to get you next round. Okay, Melissa C., Chuck J., Larry K., Rick J., Lauren R., Wanda R., Christina J., Jen A. All right, here we go. Melissa C., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks so much. I'm sorry for for jumping in there twice and and grabbing my turn. Um, It's Melissa C., I'm recovered. Thanks. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and um, you know, this paragraph um, for me in this chapter is like more about powerlessness. I know it's more about alcoholism, but, um, you know, it's that unable to stop or stay stopped, you know. And so the paragraph really breaks up, breaks apart, what can't I use, you know. So character doesn't give me power, right. You know, that means like having integrity. Um, nope, doesn't give me power. And a tremendous urge does not give me power and my needs, like I can have necessity and that's not equivalent to power and wanting, right? So all of these things are not strong enough. And it, for me, it really describes like what it means to be powerless, what it means to be an addict because I'm, I'm unable to live in ways which respects my own integrity, right? I can't live in agreement with my urge for self-preservation. And, like, I don't have the ability to carry out what I need to do, and I actually wind up doing things I don't want to do. And, you know, that's step one. Not that I have a problem with food, but that I know I have a problem with food and I can't stay away from it. And that's, like, crushing and humiliating. And, and for me, like, I didn't learn that. You know, I, yes, I learned it by hearing it. Like, it was good that people put words to it. But I learned it from painful experience. I, you, you know, I learned it from exerting my character, from, from trying to, like, muscle it up. Um, and like everybody, I think, you know, I grew up with this fundamental message that everything could be mine. You know, if you put your mind to it, if you want it enough and you work for it. And so I didn't grow up with this notion of reliance on God. You know, it just wasn't talked about. My, You know, and I'm not looking to blame my parents. They loved me a lot. They taught me what they knew. They taught me muscle it up and, and work for it, girl. And that works in lots of areas of my life, but it couldn't work where food 
was concerned, and I needed a spiritual. You know, I need a spiritual solution. And even, you know, at the at like for me, at the very end of my food addiction, I couldn't get a day. I couldn't get an hour. I, like, needed I needed God to jump in and take over for me. And really what happened for me was I found it through fellowship, through people first, who put me, I say, like, they took my hand and, like, put it in, in like, a power greater than myself because I didn't mm-hmm. have that ability. And thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Melissa. Okay, Chuck J., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Chuck K. from Georgia. I'm a compulsive overeater. What I was thinking about this morning is there's that part of me that only feels comfortable if I'm telling others what to do and getting ticked off if they don't do what I say. There's a part of me that loves to be afraid because when I'm afraid, I can do what I want to do. I can make choices I normally wouldn't take. And then I can also not do the things I need to do because I'm afraid. And we're in the part, we're in the last chapter dealing with step one primarily, or about alcoholism. And I like to think about the four examples that they give us in this chapter and understand that these examples were given out of probably hundreds of examples they could have, because there was a hundred people that had recovered at this time or more. And so what's important in these stories for me to understand? What lessons are there? And I think the, the primary lesson that I see in this chapter with these four stories, whether it's implied or not, it's the working of these steps that turn the trick. And that's also reinforced in Bill's story. Bill could take step one, he could believe he was powerless and he would still drink. And then Bill could have a re- religious experience, he could have an aha moment where the, con- the cathedral bursts in front of him and he still will go back to, to the alcohol. But it's the working of the steps just as they're written for me. I don't add to them. I don't take away from them. That is what will lead me into recovery. And as I was working my step 10 here recently, I realized what what difference does it make if I'm losing weight, if I'm still acting like the crazy person I've always been acting like? What What use is there in that? What message am I really sharing that I can lose weight? Anybody can make a, make a diet and do that. And so it makes me dig deeper into why I do the things I do, turn those over to God, and live the best life, not waste any more of my days living the way I used to live. And if I do that day by day, then I can have really good recovery. And if I slack off, well, I can have a really good relapse. And so I'm glad that program has come into my life at a time where I could receive it, and I could work it, and I could learn from it. And I just appreciate everybody being there with me. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Chuck Kay. Larry Kay, your turn. Hey, Amy. Good morning. Uh, good morning, everyone. Larry Kay uh, recovered today uh, uh, from the Chicago area. So, um, yeah, what, what, what jumps out at, at me in this particular paragraph is this baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it this utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. And, you know, um, the kind of sort of temporary sobriety, you know, that that's not going to work for someone like me. And at some point I was 
no longer among, you know, there's a term like the sober curious, the, the sober curious, there are retreats actually for the sober curious. I, I, for me, I can't be sober curious. And prior to that, you know, it just felt to me like there was a huge gray area, you know, and a much wider kind of acknowledgement of the different categories of the problem. So I, I would, you know, that gray area, I could, my disease can sneak through that gray area, and it did. And for me, the notion of, like, waving off dessert at a dinner party, for example, just an example, you know, like that's, you know, in, should, you know somehow interpreted as this sort of, tacit signal that I'm in recovery. Well, that's, that's, that's BS, you know, that's just someone who's on the wagon might not be in recovery at all. And that was me as well. Not today. See today, there's no gray area for me. Gray areas are very, very dangerous for someone like me. There's no kind of just a little bit addicted to my substance. And I have more than one substance. I have to wave the white flag every day of my substance. I have to work the steps. My sponsor asks me every day, um, you know, what are you going to do for your recovery today? I need to look at what I'm going to do for my recovery. Otherwise, I don't have a message to carry to anyone. And I have to live with integrity for today. You know, so, so for me, yes, we, we talk a lot about that. We, we work the steps. We navigate through the steps. Each step builds some sort of sacred, um, you know, divine, divineness, if you will, onto the next step. And we do it for a lifetime. I'm committed to doing it for a lifetime. And then when we do that, then, then we have a message, message to carry to other people. It's a beautiful way of life. And uh, I'm grateful for that. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Larry. Okay, Rick J., it's your turn. Hey, good morning, Amy. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Rick J. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Cary, North Carolina. Um, and um, I'm not cured. I know that. So I love this paragraph, and I love listening to the shares before me. Um, and for those who are unable to drink moderately. Um, you know, that's, uh, for me, that's that uh, physical allergy. I cannot control my eating once I take that first compulsive bite. You know, so that question is how to stop altogether. And, um, you know, is, is the doctor's opinion, everything that I read in there, and then identifying in a bill story and then uh, finding out what the solution is, is that really applicable to me? And, do I really want to stop? And I, I have been at that place where I really wanted to stop. I really wanted to stop. And I would come into me OA meetings and I knew about 12 step programs and I had a certain arrogance about me that felt like I knew everything I needed to know. And yet, you know, again, whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis uh, and for me, that's without a higher power and a spiritual program of action. You know, it depends upon how strong the mental obsession is. You know, how powerless I am over taking that first compulsive bite. And there was a part of me that was uh, delusional that 
truly felt like that I had some ability to control it because of some self-knowledge and because of some step work that I'd already done. But uh, for me, it definitely came down to, um, you know, do I really want to commit myself to doing everything that the people who are recovered did? And I have to say for a long time, no. And I had my Abby, you know, just told me point blank that, uh, you know, I cannot stay abstinent trying to stay sober. I have to work this program with entire abstinence, with a recovered sponsor, with a fervor that I had never known before. If I want that, because I am powerless, this is all about being powerless. It's about a mental obsession. It's about a physical allergy. And I have to have a higher power, no matter how great my necessity or wish is to stay absent. If I don't do this, if I don't grab a hold of this program and lean into a God of my understanding and work the steps every day continuously, as hard as I can go, then, uh, yeah, the, uh, the physical allergy will be kicked in because my mental obsession will take me back to that first compulsive bite time and time again. But today I'm free and I'm so grateful for that. With that, I pass. Thank you so much for today. Now we have Lauren R or is it Lauren N? I'm not sure I got the initial of your last name correctly. Lauren? Good morning, Amy. It's Lauren N. From New York. Um, grateful to be here and grateful to hear all these shares today. Um, I can totally relate to our first chair uh, um, leader with the comment about not having any choice. I was born and raised a sugar addict from the get go. I think that I did not have a choice from get from the very beginning. Um, I cannot remember ever not wanting a bite of sugar other than in the past four years. Thank God for these years. Thank God for learning about this book and this allergy. I never would have made it more than a day. I mangled my body. I had no choice. I kept doing it over and over again, losing hundreds of pounds and gaining them within minutes of trying to eat in moderation. It never happened in my life. Moderation is not my middle name. It is not something I know. Moderation of most things are hard for me. I am grateful that I have finally learned how to be surrender to this and to know that I no longer have to have one bite or even try to have one bite. I used to struggle so much to say, okay, I'll just have one. And then all of a sudden, I'd finish the box and be surprised. Over and over and over again, that mental twist just kicked up in my life. Two bariatric surgeries, several 
several um, um, plastic surgeries later, and I have a normal body, and, a, and I fit into the clothes I wore last winter, and hopefully, by the grace of God, I'll fit into them again next winter. I am so grateful for this program and for all of you who have taught me how to surrender. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Lauren. Wanda R., you're up. Please go ahead. Wanda? Just throw Wanda on mute, please. Yeah, hi, I'm Wanda R. Thank you so much for giving me the privilege to speak. Um, you know, uh, I, I came into uh, the program in 1974. I got abstinent in 1985, and I've been abstinent ever since. And uh, to make to make it work, uh, I I read the big book. It went over my head. The steps went over my head, uh, but I did have a vague feeling that God could help me, and I knew I needed help, uh, and uh, I went to meetings, and um, the saddest thing I ever saw was a person sitting on two chairs, and um, I knew that I had the gift of desperation. I was bulimic for 14 years and uh, could not stop. Uh, I had an $80 a day habit, and um, and I did not have plenty of character. Uh, you know, I I did not. I was a gutter compulsive overeater, and uh, you know, I I did not have integrity. Um, I I just uh, I stole food and. Uh, you know, I I I tried to uh, do do things to quit. I I tried to you know use different diets. Nothing worked. But um, I I had the gift of desperation, and uh, I found a sponsor. And um, but I I I just finally uh, you know um, I used uh, people. Uh, God would skin on, and um, and I, and I I got abstinent. And God was so much kinder to me uh, than um, than than my than than I expected, and uh, I I just had a rudimentary uh, understanding of my higher power. And uh, a rudimentary understanding of the steps. I went to meetings, um, and I, I just, uh, I knew I needed help. And uh, you know, I, I, uh, I used the phone, and uh, I would call people. And uh, every time I opened the refrigerator, it was what's in it for me, you know. So. Um, I I I had a lot of lot of uh, addiction that I I could not control, and uh, with that I passed. Thank you. Thank you so much, Wanda. Okay, Christina J, you're up. 
Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Christina Jay from the state of Washington here this morning. Oh, boy, what a loaded paragraph and what incredible shares. Um, you know, I just was so dumb for so long, so ignorant, so unaware that I, I knew there was some kind of weird thing going on with me, but I just didn't know what. And I remember uh, going in and out of the rooms a little bit early in my 30s and through my 30s, but not much because I, as I've shared before, I just never heard anything that really got down in my gut. And and no one ever talked about God. I I didn't even think about God because I had a God. I you know I thought that was all set. So um, I didn't even know that I was trying to quit on a non-spiritual basis, just running by my own know-how, you know, so I can forgive myself for all those years of such ignorance around this disease and pride and willpower and just such an insecure person and lonely and just struggling to get through life. I remember when my um, second husband died of cancer and I tried to go on Optifast starvation protein uh, shake routine, and I'd been on it before and had success, of course, then got back into the food, but... This time I was going to the rooms, and I think I made it to three meetings, and I sat there just devastated inside. I couldn't do it. Not only had I lost my love, but now I was trying to deprive myself more, and that was the first time I realized that I was in deprivation mode, and I still didn't relate it to a spiritual thing. I didn't realize that God could feel that deprivation and that loneliness. Um, and then I remember uh, being laying in bed years later. Years later now, the disease has progressed, you know, and I'm laying there going at about 2 in the morning. My toes are starting to hurt. I'm thinking tingling. Oh, my God, I could be getting diabetes. I don't know how to diet anymore. I don't know how to eat anymore. And I was scared from my skin to my bones, just horrific. And I remember working with this lady, um, and she used to tell me, you know, sugar's not the problem. You just need to get those foods balanced, have three moderate meals. And if, if you, I remember telling her, you know, you know, I just... How am I ever going to give up sugar? And she said, well, you can have like a half a cup of chocolate-covered raisins after mm. your lunch or, you know, have that after you eat. And, of course, that didn't work in the long run, but that gave me this sort of, you know, uh, carte blanche to have my goodie. You know, that was my – and that kept me for a while. But then when heavy life came down, uh, I was back in the food big time. And I never really thought, you know, why can't I get this together? I just had this feeling that someday, ah, I would get it together. I was baffled, but um, I didn't ever feel hopeless around it for a long time until the end where my relapses were coming in over and over, and I was just, you know, taking that one bite. And what drove me to that one bite was the thinking that I can get through it this time, and I've got to have it. I've got to get through this emotional upheaval of doing my taxes, or I'm tired today. I need to have it. Okay, I'll finish up. Um, So I desired to stop. I was baffled. I had an utter inability to leave it alone, and um, the only thing that saved me is this 12 steps in this big book. And you guys, Vision for You and the Word Recovered, you gave me hope. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you so much, Christina. Okay, Jen A., you have the floor. Good morning, Amy. Thanks for taking the meeting. My name is Jen A. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Littleton, Colorado. Grateful to be on the line and with family this morning. Um, loved all the shares. And um, ha, moderate, moderate is not my middle name. <laughs> um, I couldn't moderate food. I couldn't moderate exercise. I couldn't moderate the number of pills I took or the potions that I drank. 
I don't know about you, but I'm a more, more, more girl. And when I get more, um, oh, I get miserable, right? So the question is, uh, it says here, I'm assuming, of course, that the reader, you, Jennifer, desire to stop. Well, I desire to stop, right? I, I did what everybody did. I came to the meetings. I sat in the chair of membership, right? And I said that membership, right, all you have to do is have a desire to stop. So I sat there and wished. I wish I may. I wish I might not have one more stinking bite, trip to the gym, pill or potion in my body. And it didn't work, right? Because there was no spiritual solution. That's what this paragraph is telling me. I didn't know that at the time. I know that at the time. I, you know, I now know because the doctors diagnosed me. You know, I love how the reader or she kicked us off this morning and she said, in the doctor's opinion, you know, we get this diagnosis. And think of what the doctor was really saying to all those alcoholics. He says, you know what? I can dry you out, but I can't keep you sober, Bill. That's what he told him. You're going to have to find some type of spiritual basis to live by. That's what he said. And guess what? That's what I heard the doctor telling me too. You know what, Jen? You can get skinny. You can eat nothing. And you can spend a shitload of time in the gym and taking all these pills and drinking all these potions, but it's not going to keep you skinny. And little did I know that when I sat in that chair and I moved from a seat of membership to a, a seat of recovering, right, taking action one day at a time, doing this work, that guess what? I would eventually get to a recovered state. And it wasn't really the things that I did. It, I did take action, but it was the spirit that came into me. That's God, right? It says in the big book, may you find him now. I read that for 120 days sitting in my AA meeting over and over and over and over again. The spiritual solution, that's where the problem gets solved, right? So I had to get into the fellowship in the middle of the herd so I wouldn't get picked off on the edges and seek the solution with other people who are doing this, right? Like they're desperate and drowning, taking action, trusting God, cleaning out, stepping out in courage. Isn't that what the serenity prayer says? Talks about courage. So at the beginning of this chapter, more about alcoholism, what I have written above it, it says, if you think you can, Jennifer, read this chapter again and again and again. And I love getting to this chapter with sponsees because it's a good reminder to me that I can't. I got to work it. Work what? take action, trust God, and keep my house clean. That's what I've got to do today to stay connected to higher power. I'm so grateful. You know, I was talking to a fellow last night. We were talking on the phone. Whoever knew that I would love to be a compulsive overeater? No way, right? I love this way of life. I love this fellowship. Um, so with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Amy. Thank you so much, Jen. Okay, so we are on page 34, that second paragraph, on that paragraph only, focusing there. Who else would like to share on what was read? Rivka R. Larry G. Linda D. R. Linda D. There was a Jerry G. I'm sorry, who was that? Vasa O. Vasa, I got you. I missed a couple of people. Um, could you chime back in, please? Larry G. Larry, that's what it was. Larry G. I've got probably room for one more. Do L. I have. Do L. Do L. Okay, got it. Got you. Do. All right, so I've got Riska R, Linda D, Vasa O, Larry G, and Do L. All right, Riska, please go ahead. Go ahead. Hopefully, I didn't butcher your name too bad. Hi, good morning, everyone. Yeah, I just got it. Thanks. 
Okay, this is uh, Rivka R, Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Maryland. Uh, this is day 40, coming back after a relapse. And yesterday, I had a start when I, I didn't lose as much weight as I had hoped in the first 40 days of abstinence. And I did a 10-step on it because I could feel those distressing feelings and fears. Oh, no, it will never come off now that I'm 66. And I mentioned it to my sponsor, who asked me a great question. She said, if you could binge and never gain another pound or be in recovery and never lose another pound, which would you pick? I'm embarrassed to say that I actually hesitated. I felt like that joke, that that's no joke, like ask an addict to choose between a magnificent life beyond their wildest dreams of happiness and serenity and freedom and good health or dying a miserable death holding on to their drug of choice. And he says, well, let me think about it. So this sentence is me, the utter inability to leave it alone no matter how great the necessity or wish. And for me, it's the utter inability to see the truth if I'm in the food. I only remember what food does for me, not what it does to me. I can't abandon myself to God and have a life worth living if I've abandoned myself to the food. Abandoning myself to the food, even if I don't gain another pound, which is I mean, that's ridiculous anyway, because, of course, that would never happen. But besides being physically miserable, I would be spiritually, mentally, and emotionally bankrupt because I do have an utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great my necessity or wish. And I'm so grateful that I don't have to live in that obsession today and be under the whip of the food monster today. And I'm so grateful that God is helping me choose life today and not choose death, which is what would happen if I'm relying on myself so I choose recovery today without hesitation. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Riska. Linda D., you're up. Good morning, everybody. It's Linda D. So grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater in Connecticut. Hmm. Why am I here again today? This is a new day. It's a day I've never lived. I've lived a number of days. I'm not young. I feel young, but I'm not young. Um, I've done all the stuff you've done. If you're a food addict like me, a compulsive overeater like me. And last night, in the middle of the night, exhausted, I turned into a very small child and cried for my mother. That was pretty strange because I was not really awake, very overtired. And I thought, what the hell is that? Sometime life is terrifying. Right now, it's magnificent. I'm recovered, but it's terrifying for any number of reasons, ill health or whatever it is for you. And I was... Uh, stunned and grateful that once again I knew, even though I was really not very awake, I knew to turn within and to turn to my higher power, to God, to love, to unconditional love. I have a magnificent life. It might not look magnificent to some people, but it is magnificent. Because I have a way out of hell. I have a way out of obsession. 
I can obsess about anything. I can self-destruct about anything. It started with food, but it didn't end there. Not, not even in recovery. So, so what? Well, today I can go and do and be the person that God wants me to be. A self-loving person, a person who's loving to other people, who doesn't wound people on purpose, and who looks in the mirror and can say consistently, in my own eyes, I love you. I really love you. That is what this program, these steps, this book, and all of you wonderful, wonderful friends and family have done for me, and I thank you. I pass. Thank you so much, Linda. Vasa O, your turn. Thank you. Good morning. Can you hear me, Amy? I can hear you well. Please go ahead. Thank you very much. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader, and I'm calling from Port Charles, Florida. And I'm sorry if I announced myself more than myself more than once because I thought I was muted and then un- unmuted. I love this paragraph uh, we read today, and I'm reading with a person. And tomorrow we're gonna read this paragraph. That we ended the paragraph before this, and we're gonna start on this one. And I just text her to call and listen to the meeting. But anyways, I um, I could never do anything more in moderation. I was to the extreme. With the food, workaholism, cleaning, cooking, you name it. There was never rest for me. The step 11 for me was a gift from God later on when I learned how to stop and meditate. But anyways, I remember being angry at God for not bringing me to Overeaters Anonymous sooner because I had to go through the pain and suffering up to that point. And I said, God, why? Why did you have to let me, you know, stay there in the food and try to control? And then in 25 years of my life, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Maybe if I came even five months before I found the program or even a year or two years, I wouldn't have been ready because I thought I was supposed to control it by myself, by my own willpower. So God was gradually getting me ready. My higher power, which I call God, was gradually getting me ready. To, uh, and I'm so, so grateful that I was led into, the, into this program and the 12 steps. What a gift. I was 41 years old, and I didn't think I was going to make my 45th birthday. I was eating to oblivion. Sugars put it in front of me. I... I was a grazer, you know, one meal a day from the morning to night. And at nighttime, I would get up to go to the bathroom and I would check the refrigerator. So it became almost like 24 hours. I had hit bottom. I had hit bottom. And I was willing and ready to surrender to God, to higher power, to the program, the 12 steps. I wanted to live. I didn't want to die. And the food was killing me. And I've been following the programs at the 12 steps for many, many years. The things I have learned, it's just amazing. I never left the program. And I keep going. There have been a lot of changes in my life for the better. And there have been some not-so-good changes. 
but I didn't have to. Go, I don't have to go back to the food. I stay abstinent and work the they laid out, and I'm just so grateful. Thirty decades later, I'm well and alive. Keep going strong. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Larry G, you're up. My name is Larry G from California, and I am recovered just for today. Um, thank you, moderator, and uh, welcome to all the new people on the call. Um, these words send chills, and not in a good way, but kind of like a, a B-rated horror movie, the utter inability to leave it alone. What I love about the big book, it's black and white. There's just no debate, no gray areas. And what I love about vision, and we study this, and I never, 26 years I've been in OA, I never thought about studying the big book or applying it to my recovery. Um, it is my opinion and I, based on observation of being around a long time, that I cannot recover by simply working steps. Um, that is, a, to me, a delusion. And I've proved it time after time again. What has to happen for me is utter and complete surrender. Now, I, I envy those of you on the call who have surrendered the education variety. My type of surrender um, and Alcoholics Anonymous and Debtors Anonymous and ACA has been the kind of surrender where I am prostrate in the ground. I am out of options. I am screaming to God to save me, save my ass. And that's what has to happen in order for me to begin the process of recovery in this program, which it did on May 17th of 2020. In the 26 years I have been in OOA, um, I never had that kind of surrender. I always had the idea that um, if I could just stop for a while and dry out, then one day I could begin eating again. All I wanted was a fit body. That's all I wanted. I wanted to have a fit body, and I wanted to eat whatever I wanted to eat. Now, I can't surrender by going to a four-day workshop. I would love to, but I can't. I can't take a vacation, go to Ireland, and leave my uh, my compulsive eating behind. I can't sprint as fast as I can sprint and turn left and hopefully hopefully, I will ditch my compulsive eating. My type of surrender has to be no question that I have no ability to, um, to manage my food, to white knuckle it. In fact, uh, the ability to white knuckle it was removed forever on May 17th. I knew that the binge was coming and I couldn't stop it. And those are words from another members program. Um, I believe that we do an injustice, not only to ourselves, but to new people by taking through steps until they have surrendered. Um, because when I've gone through steps without surrender, I was fighting everybody and everything. I was like, an, in fact, my former sponsor always called me an argument machine. She saw, thought that maybe my next career should be a, a district attorney, a prosecutor. Um, so Anyway, I think I get the message here today, and uh, welcome to the new person. Stay on the call after, get numbers. Um, I pass. Thank you so much, Larry G. Duell, you are up. Good morning, everyone. My name is Duell, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, my timer went off. Okay. So um, it says here, assuming the reader desires to 
stop. And, and that's what I see, a desire to stop and quitting upon a non-spiritual basis. And, you know, my desire to stop when I came to this program was willpower. You know, it was self-deception experimentation, but it did not yield the results that it wanted in recovery. You know, I, I have the desire what it produces is failure. Uh, my desire always up, ends up in failure because I did not have the spiritual aspect of having a power greater than myself to help me through this. And what did it produce? It produced me sitting in these rooms for years and years and years on end without recovery. I went to meetings. I heard speakers. I, I you know, and, and the inability to stop. Um, you know, well, the inability was that I did not want to stop. I said with my mouth I wanted to stop, but in my heart, I did not want to stop because I kept ingesting those binge foods. And it wasn't until I, this program is not into um, ideology, it's not into emotions, it's not into, uh, you know, uh, just uh, knowledge, it's into action. And I was not taking the actions according to what it says, which is first, I need to let go of those key food ingredients. I need to let go of my bench foods. That was the first step. And then the second step was to connect to a power greater than myself that was going to give me the ability to have that unlimited power to be able to stay stopped. And until I didn't get that part, there was no hope for me. There was no, because what I practice is self-deception. Understand, I deceive myself. I think I'm deceiving others. I'm not deceiving others. People know. People see me, you know, at 300 pounds. People see me, you know, lying. People see me binging. People see me. So they're not being deceived, but I deceive myself. So this program teaches me that the only way to get out of this mess is one, to hit a bottom, to know that I don't have the ability, that I need to co be connected to a spiritual program and work the steps, be into action. And that's the only way that you can get out of that death of hell and get into the heavenly realm of being in a, in a serenity, life-free, spiritual way of doing things with God and with others and with yourself you know, those three relationships. So I'm grateful that uh, I, you know, it took me hard knocks to learn that. <laughs> but today, you know, I'm com coming up on four years and, and I'm grateful for my recovery. I'm grateful that I get to help others to understand that today. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Stu. Um, we have less than a minute. So I think we're going to just go ahead and uh, wrap things up. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who shared. Please join us for another second awesome unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. Today's date, or excuse me, today's um, ID number for 7 a.m. Eastern Time, February 2nd, 2021 is 16,318. That's 16318.00. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Crystal P., if you could please take us out, that would be great. Good morning. This is Crystal P., compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of the past, of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.